This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Thank you so much for joining. For those that are coming for the first time, thank you so much for listening and for being a part of this. I hope that you uh, take something valuable from this podcast. Um, I want to give you a little sense before we continue as to. What this is really all about, what you're in for, why I'm doing this, and what I hope to be able to give you if you stick with me week after week. I'm a big believer that the goal of life is to make us, each and every one of us, as great as we can possibly be, right? That's the internal motivator each and every one of us has. You know, we're all different. We look different and talk different and act different, but in truth, we're all the same. Even the people that are seemingly completely different from you are exactly the same in that they want the same thing. We want all of us to be great. And greatness is something that resides inside us. We have it in us. You never have to be great. You have to reveal the greatness from within. So how do you do that? And the answer is through knowledge, right? Knowing what to do to bring the thing that's within you is the way to get it out, right? You have to know where to drill Because if there's oil in your property, it's not a question of whether or not you have it. You got it. You just got to know where to point the drill to go down. So knowledge as to where to drill takes you to the oil and takes you to your greatness. And what I think is the most fascinating part of life is being able to look at the news, the current events, and just realize that it is history repeating itself again and again. And each time it repeats itself, it teaches us a lesson. When you say history repeating itself, it doesn't mean we've got to go back to Napoleon. What's going on around us right now is teaching us the lessons that if we learned, maybe through a news story or a current event story or a political race or a baseball game, if we just peered a little bit closer, a little bit deeper, we would find lessons that would enable us to, we can put in our lives and be better today. And that's the goal of this podcast. The goal of this show is to look at what's happening in the world, not to judge it for it. There are other people that can do, do that for you and better than I. But to look at it so that we can find a lesson, a bit of wisdom, and then put it into our lives so that we can become better for it. And it will help us not only understand what's going on around us, it'll help us understand us. So if you're here, thank you. I look forward to spending the time. And before I even jump in, I want to just sort of extend to you my email address, charlie at charlieharari.com. Check me out. You could send me your thoughts, send me your requests. Tell me what you thought of this of this podcast. Tell me what you want me to speak about. And I look forward to building this together with you as a community. You also look at the Twitter at Charlie Harari. Let me know. Reach out. We'd love to create the relationship together. Let's jump in right away as to what's going on in the world. Right now, we are engaged in what is the craziest political circus of my lifetime. For those of us that are 
uh, too young to remember 1976's Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, which I believe was nowhere near what we're going on, what's going on right now. We are going through a presidential process that is being geared up to not actually pick a nominee. We're actually going to a brokered convention, which means that we're going to get to the convention without one person, hopefully, having enough delegates to become the nominee, and then at the convention have to redo it again, which is insane. There are four people still running this late in the game. There is there is one front runner where most people don't want, and it is a complete all-out WWF battle royale brawl for who is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. And by the way, the Democrats don't have it that much better because what should have been a layup for Hillary Clinton was a Hail Mary from a no-name senator named Bernie Sanders that came in and basically stole away all of her thunder. And had she not started 50 yards ahead of him, this wouldn't even be in question. In both cases, what you have is two people that have captured the attention and the energy of a party, both of which are prone, are known, and are typically saying things that, if you really think about it, are either offensive or make no sense, right? Donald Trump is clearly, right at this point, the front runner, and every time he speaks, you are sort of saying to yourself, is everyone hearing this? Am I the only one that has the TV up? Is everyone's TV on mute? Like, did he really speak about his anatomy as his opening statement at a presidential debate? Did that actually, did it happen? I mean, is he really so... So so insecure that he's opening up at his hands. Is he was he really promoting Trump steaks at his last press conference? Even though Trump steaks shut down years ago, is this really happening? Did he take down? Is he just just taking everybody in front of him down and making fun of everybody that there is? And people are loving him more and more. Like, am I the only one paying attention to this? On the other side of the aisle, you got Bernie Sanders saying things like, yeah, free tuition to everybody. And you go, really? Bernie, free tuition for everybody? Like, yeah, how does that work? He's like, well, the 1%. I'm like, really? The 1%? What are they going to pay? 90% taxes? You don't become 1% because someone hands you money. There are a few people that have that. But most people in this country that are making real money or making a lot of money, I should say, because everyone's making real money. And if you work hard for your money, then that's considered real money. And if you don't, even though you have more, then you should definitely not be keeping that money. But there are lots of people that are considered one percenters that are going to leave the country if the taxes go from where it is now to 90% to pay for everyone's free college. So, like, Bernie, how does that work? I don't know. Free college. Free beer. Free everything. Yay, we love Bernie. (laughs) He got, on the one hand, this guy who just completely disparages everybody, goes to places that no one ever thought anyone would ever go. And seems to just continue to fill up stadiums. On the other hand, you got someone with these ideas that are sweet and nice if there was like eight people in Sweden. But when you're dealing with the United States of America without any really immigration policies and there are millions of people that are flowing through the borders, it just doesn't make any sense. But yet, regular, normal, I think smart, and I think great Americans are lining up, are getting autographs, and are turning the name in a ballot box. So what in the world is going on? What are they thinking that we're not? And I got to tell you, it didn't really hit me until recently because I saw it in myself. This is one of those times, at least for me, in the presidential process where I've sort of got in my head who I want to vote for. 
I don't really make my choices until the end, but I still have it. It's like, you know, someone's got an 80% lead. And as the primaries start to, you know, happen, I, f- I find myself not able to actually watch the news unless it has the news in it that I am agreeing with. You know, if my guy's winning, I'm listening to every station and going on Googling and going to 10 different news sites. But if my guy's losing or does something that's not great, I'm just, I, I'm ignoring it. I just can't bring myself to do it. And it, it begs the question for us today as to what is going on? Why are people so enamored with two of the candidates that seem to be the most impractical candidates that we have? And why is it that every time things don't really go our way, we just can't handle watching it? And I remember the story that I want to share with you. I had the opportunity to fill in for Jay Severin this week, and I told the story on his network. And so if you were listening to that show, you may this may sound familiar. And it was a story about a guy who I met at a conference. I was speaking at a conference once, and I was talking a little bit about, you know, my life story. And at that, but you know, I started my career as an attorney. I worked for a, you know, these large corporate law firms. And my first got out of law school, and I was completely and utterly miserable. It's a very difficult job. You work for these firms; um, they pay you nicely, but they work you per hour. It's not worth anything that you're making, and you're always on. It's it's a very difficult job. And you're working very hard all the time, and you can never really please anybody. And I'm sitting in this, you know, cubicle working my tail off, and I got bigger dreams. I want to, you know, I got bigger stuff that I wanted to do. And as I was working, I was a real estate lawyer. I saw all these different transactions that I was doing, making the people around me the money. I said to myself, why would I be doing the law stuff? Why don't I become on the business side? Why don't I try to start something, a real estate company? But, I mean, who has the ability when I was, you know, I was married, I had a, I had a child at the time. Um, I still have a child, thank God. I've got more, but I, ha- I was married with a kid. So I had bills. It wasn't just, you know, leaving. Um, and I was sitting in my job, and I was at this conference weeks earlier, and I mentioned to a few people around that, you know, I was I, I wanted to start my own company. And I get a call from one of the guys at the conference. So, um, you know, I pick up the phone, we start talking a little bit, and he says to me, you know, you know, you mentioned at the conference that, you know, you wanted to leave and start your own company. Like, give me more information. What kind of company do you want to start? And I'm like, well, why do you care? He's like, well, I may have a very big investor. I may have a lot, someone with a lot of money, and he's looking to start a new company. You're a bright guy, and, you know, maybe we can just put the money into your idea. Now, he said, I remember, like, where I was sitting at the time. I remember, I remember where I, I remember the, the, the moment, I remember the time I remember leaning back and just sort of saying everything that I wanted to do. I wanted to hire my buddy. We were going to start a company, invest in this, invest in that, do this, do that. I was like so animated, so excited. I brought everything that I was feeling for years out and I was sort of laying it all out in front of him and I was this and that. And he's listening the whole time. He's not cutting me off. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. What a great idea. Perfect. I think the guy wants that. Yeah, I think this guy would love your idea. I think the guy would love your company. And for an hour, I'm going off about my dream company, and he's just letting me go. Not only is he letting me go, but he is just enabling me, if you will, to experience the dream of thinking that there's going to be some white knight on the other end that he knows that will give me the capital that I need to start my business. So after the hour, you know, we hang up the phone. He says he'll be in touch. I don't hear from him for a week, two weeks, three weeks. 
A month later, he picks up the phone again. Of course, he calls. I'm like, what took you so long? But I didn't think, I didn't say that. I thought that. But, you know, my white knight's on the phone. So we start talking. He goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm starting this project. Can you help me with this? Can you do this? Do you know this person? I know that you're friends with so-and-so. Can you connect me to him because I wanted to do this? And the whole way, I'm like, okay, sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I connect him to my friend, and I, get, I, I vouch from here, and I vouch from here, and he asks me to help him on some legal matter, and I do it for free, of course. Why wouldn't I do it for free? I mean, he's going to give me the investor that's going to take me down the, the you know down the, the yellow brick road all the way to the, to the end game, and I'm going and going, and then another... Then I don't hear from him. Four months later, again, pick up the phone, kill me here, kill me here. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. A year he calls back and goes, oh, by the way, I almost got the guy. He was very busy. Maybe you can come out to meet him in California. I said, sure, when? He goes, I'll let you know. Never called back. You see where this is going. Three years later, three years of this, like, you know, he calls me every few months for a couple of favors. I help him out. I introduce him to people that I know. Then I almost get the investor. Three years later, he says to me, I hear you're going to be, I was on vacation with my wife, and I happened to be on vacation in the city that he was living. And he says to me, oh, I hear that you're in town. Why don't we get together, and it's going to be great, and da 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 I said, sure. So I turned to my wife. We were on vacation for three days, literally. And she says, you know what, fine. And instead of going out to lunch on our last day together, I change my plans. I go into the city, and I meet him, the three of us, and he gives me the game the same thing. What did, What do you think if we start this company together and that company together? A little different than when I spoke. Now it was now, before it was just me, now it's him as well as me. And we're going through this whole conversation and I'm all in. And we finish up because I'll let you know. And we're on the way back and I just happened to turn to my wife. I didn't even think to even ask her, which is the worst move ever. Always ask your spouse. I said, what do you think of him? My wife looks at me and goes, mm, I don't like him. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, don't, I wouldn't trust him as far as I can. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, why would you trust him for him? I'm like, no, because he goes, yeah, he just doesn't sound like he's actually saying the things that he really means. And in that car, I'll never forget, bumper to bumper traffic on the way to the airport. The last part of our three-day vacation ruined. It hit me. He had never come through once. He had been playing me for three years. He didn't, I don't know if he had an investor. And even if he did, I don't know if he was pitched. Three years. And I didn't see it. Now, I don't. I hope I'm not a stupid guy. It was right in front of my face. But I couldn't see it. Why? And the answer is... Because of selective memory. What is selective memory? You see... Each and every one of us has a brain, and it's an incredibly powerful machine, and it enables us to do things that we don't even fully appreciate how big they are. Now, our brain is was designed so perfectly that it would it is it has around it, if you will, you know, a filter, and that filter protects it from too much stimuli. If you would take in every bit of stimuli, your brain, you'd go nuts. Because there's just too much out there. You'd go crazy. It'd be just too many things for you to take in. So what it does is it, it selects the things that it, you pick. And it selects some things and doesn't take other things. So if you're driving down the car, you ever get this, by the way, you ever get into your car 
And like, you ever wake up in the morning, right? And then you leave your house and then you're at your desk and you don't remember getting there. You ever get that? Like, you're like, how did I even get here? You're like, I'm sitting at my desk. I know I got here. I don't remember anything in between. You ever have that? You ever look up at your desk and it's like two o'clock. You're like, did I do anything today? I mean, I know it was 10 o'clock. It's now two o'clock. I don't remember. And the answer is because when you're doing things that are rote, your brain doesn't select those particular memories, doesn't select that stimulus because it just puts you on, on autopilot. You walk into a room and if you're a fan of a sport, you'll pick something out of a conversation. But if you don't know that sport, you'll miss it completely. It's out there. You just didn't select it because you didn't know to select it. You ever get this feeling where you walk in and there's someone in the room that you're in a fight with and they'll say hello and your whole body will just go nuts? Why? Because you've chosen to focus on something someone else totally missed. And someone goes, and you're like, did you hear what she said? And you're like, no. You see how she said hello? And your friend's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, how did you miss it? You see, she looked at me and said hello. Right? It's because you are picking up on something that is literally invisible to the person next to you. And you're harping on it. And you're focused on it. And it's all come back. If you have a fear, this happened. Anyone on here, anyone here who's listening who has a fear in something, you can have fear of flying. You walk in, everybody else is oblivious, but you're hearing every little thing around you because your mind has a belief. And that belief is generating what you will see and what you won't see. It's not what's in front of you. It's what you allow your mind to see based on what you already have in your brain. You see, you create a belief and then that belief creates a filter and you see the world through the lens of that filter. You don't see the world outside you. You don't. You see the world through your filter. When we come back, we're going to talk about just how much that filter is changing what we see in front of us and how it may actually be the reason why the front runners are the front runners in the presidential elections. This is Charlie Harari. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Talking about selective memory. My friend who took me for a ride for three years and I just couldn't see how he was playing me. And the reason is because of what we spoke about as selective memory, that we don't actually see what's in front of us. We see things that our beliefs tells us to see. We form a belief and that belief creates a filter and we see the world through that filter. That's just how life works. Now, in the case of my friend, what happened was my friend got on the oh, my friend, the guy, so to speak, he had me speak about my dreams. He had me tap into something that had never been brought out. When somebody allows you to tap into a piece of you that never comes out, every one of us has a dream. Every one of us has a problem. 
Every one of us has a need. When somebody allows us to feel that that need will be solved, that feel, to feel at our core that that dream will be realized, to feel that our problems will be dealt with and there's an answer, there's salvation, there's something that's going to change the game for us, when someone allows us to touch that feeling for even a second, it creates a belief. And that belief is, I'm going to get it. It's going to happen. My dreams will come true. My problems will be solved. The way I feel about somebody else, there's someone that will deal with that person. Right? If you hate somebody or you're threatened by somebody and someone comes in and goes, I'm going to take them down, you automatically, that you don't have to do it. It's, it's getting done for you. you. Once somebody is fulfilling a need and allows you to feel that untapped feeling, it becomes almost impossible to not form a belief about it. And your brain wants it to be so true that it will selectively choose all the stimulus that is going to support it and it will ignore the things that will ultimately get you to realize that what your belief is may not ever come true. Once that guy, and he did it for a reason because I know that's how he thinks. Once that guy had me every time he called me talk about my dreams, once he gave me the chance to taste that someone will solve my problems, what happened was I believed in him. And for the next three years... I selectively chose to ignore all the signs that were right in front of me. If some guy would randomly call me and ask me to do all the things, I would be I would be skeptical. But because he opened by having me touch my beliefs, I, w- I, I ignored it because I didn't want it to be true. I didn't want him to be a fake. I wanted him to be real. I wanted the money to come true. I wanted him to deliver. And I just selectively ignored all the stimuli that was literally right in front of me the whole way through. But then, when my wife met him, my wife has no idea about the conversation. My wife was not on the phone. My wife doesn't necessarily share. I mean, she wants me to be successful, but she's not looking to start her own real estate company. So all of the beliefs that are involved in this go away. And she just sits with the front of a guy and hears him speak without any preconceived notions, no beliefs, no filters, no selective memory in, no selective memory out. And she just sees it for what it is. The guy's playing you. And it, it is unbelievable how we all do this and everything in our lives. That's what I believe is happening right now in the presidential elections. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm, I'm not making a political statement. Who you vote for is your business. I'm just trying to learn a lesson. Because if I brought Donald Trump in here on the show and I would say to, and I would say to him, tell me, are you a, a, a typical candidate? He would say no. If I would bring him on the show, if you're the biggest Donald Trump supporter and you're sitting in the room and you get on the show and you say something like, do you think he's going to deliver in every single campaign promise? The guy will wink and you go, I don't know. He's going to Donald Trump himself said, we'll negotiate when we get there. Bernie Sanders sits in a room. You, he's not a typical candidate. Nobody, not Trump, not Sanders, is saying to anybody that they are going to be the sort of middle of the road responsible candidate. They're both pushing for change, for revolution. But they're doing something to the voters. 
But you have to hear it. You have to see it and taste it because it's fascinating to see and fascinating to watch. Because when you see this, I think a lot of this stuff makes sense. They are enabling voters to tap into a belief inside themselves that no one else can have tap into. When Donald Trump makes references to people, he is tapping in to the frustration that Americans have because the immigration policies in this country are basically non-existent or they're not what they should be. If you believe that and millions of Americans do. When millions of Americans are seeing terrorism around the world and don't feel safe, even though we probably are much safer than we think, don't feel safe, and a guy comes up there and makes a comment, they feel like somebody understands them. When the manufacturing jobs from America that have been all shipped overseas and all those wonderful people that have careers in manufacturing, that have careers working and helping and supporting their families. And he gets up and says, China's taking our stuff. Now, everything that he touches is made in China, but he's like, China is taking our things. And when we get here, we're going to tax China and shut down the borders. And oh, you're for the first time, millions of Americans are feeling that somebody speaks their language that their dreams will be come true, that their problems will be solved. Somebody understands them. Somebody allows them to tap into a feeling that they've never tapped into before. Bernie's the same thing. Bernie's standing in front of all these college kids and saying, free college. Now, remember, college kids today are coming out. Now, to be honest and to be fair, Lots of college kids, It's not. I, would, I don't necessarily would, would, would blame them on it, but you have to understand that lots of colleges are being built as like, you know, rec centers with a few classes and charging kids thousands of dollars to show up for four years, learn a little something, party a lot, and then handing them a bill for $100,000 plus interest for the rest of their lives in the worst economy these kids ever came out to so they can spend the next 40 years paying for it. So yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots of college kids are coming out and they're saying, I can't pay my life. Um, what am I going to do? I, 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 if I don't go to college, I don't get a job. If I do go to college, the only colleges I can get into are the ones that are going to charge me up to Wazoo. And I come out, well, I got nothing. And no one's thinking, oh, by the what, nobody's thinking that we should go out to the colleges. Why would we think that we should go out to the college and say, hey, what do you need 30 tenured professors for? And why is every single building brand new? And how come this education, well, that would be a little bit too capitalistic of us to ask an academic institution to deliver like we'd ask anything else to deliver. So instead... The easier answer is to have stand up and go free public education. Who's going to pay for it? Um, uh, the rich guys. The rich guys. There's rich guys out there and they're out there hoarding cash and living on yachts. There's millions of them and they're going to be the ones that we're going to pay for it. And you, you, you really? But there are college kids that are saying, oh, there's an answer. There's an answer. There's an answer. It's him. How is he going to pay for it? I don't know, but it's him. Him, 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 him. Yeah, whatever he's saying. Yes, 1%. I haven't made enough. 1%. They'll pay for it. Free college, free tuition. And he's exciting the masses. And they're tapping into that feeling. And so when you peer down on Bernie's plan, or when you push Donald Trump on, you know, a couple of his businesses or the D minus he got on the Trump university or all the other things going on, his supporters seem to say, I don't really care. You know why? Cause I don't think they're paying attention to it. I don't think they even see it. I think that they have selectively chosen 
subconsciously to ignore it because ignoring it would take away a chance at him solving their dreams like he promised. When we come back, we're going to talk about just how good Donald Trump is at promising these things and just how much it applies in our lives. And more so, we're going to, I'm going to give you a bit of advice that I got that can help you get through if you ever feel like you're ever playing the game of selectively choosing what to see and missing the cues in your life. This is all coming up when we come back. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. A new study shows the simple thing that reveals a person is a liberal. You well, that's easy. It's I mean, the smell. Smell is a, it's a really easy way just to identify right away. The simple thing that reveals a person is a liberal. Well, I mean, there's always, there's, a, there's a Prius, too. They usually... usually the Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Charlie Harari Show. Speaking about selective memory, being able to pick things and ignore things because it allows us to tap in to a piece of our own belief. If you don't think this is real stuff, you got to check out this study. I'm going to post it on my website um, next. Well, soon, I'll post it on my website so you get this. You, or you can go to actually, you know, I'll post it on my Facebook page. Go to Charlie Harari Facebook page. I'll also tweet this out. There's a great video out there done by a study by um, a whole group of researchers. What they did was, this is a famous study, what they did was they had people watch a video and the video consisted of people standing on two sides, one with white and one wearing black, and they passed a ball to each other. They did, well, it was, they just threw a ball back and forth. And your job was to count the balls, the time, the throws. So you got to count every time the ball passes hands, you count it. And the people sat there and they had to count 10 times, 12 times, 13 times, whatever it was, and write the number down. Well, when the test was over, they said, great. How many times? They said, oh, 13 times. They passed it back and forth. They go, great. Go, see anything else on the screen? They're like, nope. They're like, you sure? They're like, yeah, no, just the ball. Like, okay. Well, they went back and they said, don't count anything and just look at the screen again. What they found was that on the screen was a, in the middle of the ball passing, a guy in a gorilla costume, a gorilla costume came and ran behind the guys that were throwing the ball. So, as clear as day is a gorilla, not really a gorilla, but a gorilla coming across the screen and everybody missed it. Now, why is that? And the answer is because of what we said. Because when you're focused on one thing, your brain will select out the stimuli that is not relevant. And you can literally miss the things that are right in front of your eyes. What we're going through right now is a presidential election where the campaigns of Trump and Sanders, I don't even think I'm disparaging them by saying this, by the way. So if you are a Trump supporter or a Sanders supporter, I don't think you should be offended. I think you just call it the way it is. They are built around tapping into the emotions of the American people. That's what it is. And I overthink if you see Donald Trump getting uh, nominated, you will see him totally change a lot of his positions. You'll see it because he will have had that nomination. People will selectively choose to not think about these things and assume that he's playing to the middle and he will change, especially when he becomes president. But the point 
is that once you buy in to him being able to deliver on your on his promises and change your life, once you can feel that untapped feeling, you will basically just ignore all the other telltale signs that this is a bad idea. Which is why he said, and he is right, that I could shoot people on the street and know, and people will still vote for me. You see, he said because he gets it, because he understands the game, because he has been in this business for years. He knows the power of selling somebody a dream and how people will walk, walk the earth for that dream. He is a master at this. Now, I'm not saying it to disparage him. I'm just saying it straight. That's what he does. His businesses are built on the, that dream, his university. And, 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 and you know, in contrast, in contrast, his golf courses, the ones that make a lot of money, his hotels. I'm not saying this is his failed businesses. His entire empire is built on the experience of fulfilling your dreams, whether or not it actually gets fulfilled. And Bernie's the same way. Bernie's whole campaign is on being an outsider. It's amazing how he cries socialism and he gets followers. It's not because he is actually going to be able to deliver on a socialist agenda. It's because he understands that if he just becomes another candidate like Hillary, no one cares. So everybody in the middle, Hillary, who's sort of balanced, and then all the other candidates, even Ted Cruz, who's outside the establishment, who's much more balanced, they can't get any attention and they can't get any traction because they're not fulfilling that excitement that people are looking for, even though they can't deliver. And this, I think, is a part of every one of our own lives. What in our lives are we choosing to ignore? What part of our lives right now is hurting us, but we seem to not have the capacity to see it clearly, right? This happened to me, I'll never forget, you know, years ago when I started dieting, I am like all over this whole diet thing. We could talk about this later on in our sessions, in our, uh, in our podcasts together. Um, so years ago I started to get in, interested in dieting. I was very overweight and I said, I'm going to start to lose weight. So somebody introduced me to the concept of fat-free cookies. I don't even know if they still have them out today, but but years ago, Entenmann's made a fat-free chocolate chip cookie. Remember those? Entenmann's fat-free chocolate chip cookies. So if you know anything about fat-free cookies, they're, they're complete garbage. In fact, science shows today that they don't even help because the body takes all the chemicals that are supposed to be, quote-unquote, the fat, and it basically sends the same or similar you know, signals, basically saying store this, and it has very little impact. But you're eating like tons of sodium and tons of chemicals and tons of garbage, and it's all just garbage. But it says on the box, fat-free, so that you assume that you can eat as many as you want. So I'll never forget I was at work, and it was somebody's birthday, and they had this party for the guy. So they bring out this huge cake, and everybody's like – just totally like, you know, delving into this cake, chocolate all over their faces, and I'm on the diet. So the the, the, the office administrator knew this, and she was a wonderfully, a wonderfully nice woman, and she said, okay, everybody, cake, and we're all like adults. She goes, and Charlie, we brought you cookies, and she gives me a box of fat-free Entenmann cookies. So I'm like, hooray, like I can eat whatever I want. They're fat-free, right? I can just eat a million of them. So I'm like, everyone, by the way, had one piece of cake. I'm pounding the cookies. I'm like halfway done with the box. And the guy, my friend next to me looks and goes, he takes it and he turns over the box. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I want you to see what's in these things. I'm like, don't tell me. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I want it. He's like, I'm like, don't read the label. He's like, why? 
I'm like, I don't want to know. He goes, what do you mean you don't want to know? Like, you're eating them. You're on a diet. Like, shouldn't you know? I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to know what's – don't, don't ruin it for me. I, I finished half the box. I don't want to have a bad day. He's like, don't you realize that by not knowing it's going to hurt you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop using logic when it comes to eating cookies. And I walked away thinking, come on. Are you like four years old? Like, I had made a decision to eat those cookies. I deep down knew they weren't good for me. And so I was trying so hard to not actually get the information. But I was going to have to pay for it. It just I, I wasn't going to achieve my goals. And that happens to every single one of us. We're in relationships right now that are bad for us. We are. And we know it. But we choose to ignore it. We choose to stick around too long. We choose to go back to those people that hurt us again and again and again. We are in jobs that are hurting us. We are doing things to our bodies that are hurting us. We are engaging in activities that are only causing us pain. We are taking positions, whether they become presidential or economic or political or religious. We are doing things that we deep down know are wrong, and we're not changing because we are selectively choosing to ignore the facts. And we will drive ourselves off the cliff before we will admit to ourselves that there are signs that we should have seen the whole way through. And that, by the way, is one of the biggest tragedies of life, is having the ability to become great and not getting there because we've chosen to stay mediocre, because we have failed to show a drop of courage in the face of seeing something that disagrees with what we originally thought. By thinking that there's somebody out there that can actually give us our dreams. Right? How many times do we have to learn that nobody is giving us our dreams? Nobody, nobody, nobody is handing us our dreams. Because if they do, they stop being our dreams. Because half of the goal of having a dream is the character you'd form in the pursuit of that dream. Right? That's the purpose of dreams. The reason why we have dreams isn't just to get the dreams. Right? We, don't, we don't order dreams. That would ruin the whole point. The point of having a dream is because it is a direction to walk into, but who we become along the way, that's who we, that's the, the greatest asset. Marriage is not about a particular thing. It's a journey. Children are a journey. Religion, a journey. Your career, a journey. Health, a journey. The, the whole purpose of life is the journey. And so when somebody sells you on a dream, when someone allows you to feel something for a moment, when we have this thought that it's going to come easy to us, or there's a back door, or the temptation is too great, or we're giving up all the stuff that gets in our way, and we then selectively choose to hold on to that crazy dream, ignoring all the telltale signs that we should be following, we wake up in the morning and it all goes away and we go, oh my gosh, what happened to me? So how do we do it? How do we change? So I want to tell you another story. And this story 
was maybe the best bit of business advice I ever got. We opened with the one of the worst moments. I'm going to start to close out the show a little bit with one of the, the better moments that I've gotten. So I left that firm and I worked for a real estate company. I didn't start my own real estate company. I worked for one. And the real estate company set me down to do a project to oversee a certain development. And they really trusted me. I was a young guy and they gave me a responsibility above my head. And I went down and I spent a few months overseeing a certain project. And I was expected to come back and to report to the executives as to how the project was doing. And everybody really thought that I'd come in there and, you know, whip everybody into shape and get the project going. It was a development project. And it was one of those projects with lots of different parties. You know, you had the contractors, you had the lawyers, you had the business guys, you had, you had a lot of parties out there. And someone had to come in and sort of corral the troops. And they thought I'd be able to go down and corral the troops, bring everybody together, get everybody focused on the goal and get it done. So I went down there in the first month, in the second month. And, you know, month after month, I kept on trying and trying and trying and really not succeeding. So I tried something else and tried something else. But there's something in there that was just just not working for me. I don't know what it was. And after those, you know, first few months, I had to come back and make my big presentation to the board. So I, I remember being on the train and I was the, 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 the project was in, you know, sort of the middle of the country. And I was on the Amtrak coming home and I was so down, almost ready to give up. And... I always had to present to the board that I, I just didn't achieve the goals they wanted me to achieve. So I get back up and I'm about to go walk into the room to present. And on the way in, one of my mentors was right outside. And he went to be the vice chairman of the company. And I and he walked in. He goes, so give me a little, you know, sort of, you know, preview. Did you, did you whip everyone into shape? And I said, uh, no, I didn't. He said, you didn't? I said, no. I said, what happened? So I, I just said, I, I, I failed. I just failed. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'm just not savvy enough to get everybody to work together, all these different fighting parties. And I don't know. I just don't know what it was. I just couldn't get it done. So he goes, all right, you know, before you walk in there, tell me what you did. And I did. I walked him through each person that I spoke to, what I said, what I tried. And I kept on getting hit with what, you know, my, all my feedbacks every time I went up, every time I went down. And he looked at me and he said, I know your problem. I said, what is it? And he goes, I'm going to give you a bit of advice that I got that if you really follow in life, you're going to become a much smarter, savvier businessman. I said, oh my gosh, I am totally in for advice that's going to make me smarter and savvier in business. What is it? He said to me the following line. It's incredible. He said, when someone speaks to you and you have to rely on them, right? Because that's what, that's what business really is all about. It's relying on people. When someone says, I'll get this done, or you can trust me, or I'll build that, or whatever the things that go on every day of our lives, right? Every single day in our lives, somebody's telling us they're going to do something, right? You give work to somebody, your family, your friends, your presidents, the congressmen, somebody is giving you their word that they're going to deliver on something and that you can trust them. When somebody tells you that they're going to do something, what you're doing is you are relying on their words. I said, yeah. So he's like, that's a problem. I said, I don't understand. He said, they're talking and they're telling you something and you're relying on what they're saying. 
I said, yeah, that's sort of how it works, right? Like, I'm not going to have them sign something. He said, yeah, but the problem is that when people speak, you can't rely on what they say. I said, then what do I rely on? When we come back, we're going to get into what he said. We're going to give, I'm going to give you exactly what it was that he said to me that you can rely on. And when Sice understood this, the whole world opened up to me. We'll be right back. This is Charlie Harari. You're listening to the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Their reaction to what is now the day-to-day common vulgarity of the public forum. Can we begin to imagine their reaction, say, to last Thursday's debate for President of the United States with the Republicans, same party as Ronald, the leading candidate of the Republicans defending the dimensions of his manhood. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Delve into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the Charlie Harari Show. Speaking about relying on people, selective memory, how do you trust and who not to trust. And talking about the story about my boss giving me a little bit of advice, telling me that when people speak, you can't rely on their words. So I'm sitting in the office with them and I say, well, what do I rely on? He goes, you can't rely on their words. I said, what can you rely on? He said to me, you don't rely on their words. You rely on their actions. I said, I don't get it. He said, if somebody speaks to you, the only thing you're thinking of is, did they do something that allows me to go through the words to their actions? If they say, I'm going to get this done, have they ever done that before? Have they ever got it done for you before? What have they done in their lives that enable you to feel comfortable knowing that their words mean something. You see, there was once a time where somebody's word was their bond. Remember those days where two guys and men and a woman or two women, whoever it is, sat around a table, shook some hands, and the deal was done. That was There was once a day where you did deals, where you transacted business with two shakes of a hand. Those days are over. Today, words are meaningless. They should be meaningful, but you can't rely on that. You have to actually delve past the word, and you have to look to see if that person has ever proven him or herself in any way to be reliable. And if they are not reliable, you have to, he said, discount the words completely. So when someone says to you, I'll get this done for you, or we should do this, or you should do that, they give you advice. If you ask yourself, how do they know? Will they get it done? What proof do they have past the words? And then you act accordingly. doesn't mean you have to say no to them, but you have to not rely on them. Or you do rely on them if they've delivered. When someone says, I'll get you the money, and they just seem to never get you the money, then they say, I'll get you the money. You can't trust that. If someone says, I'm going to show up on Tuesday, or I'm going to take care of this, or I'm for this guy, and you know that these guys, they're backstabbing people, you can't rely on them. If you stop relying on people's words, and you start looking past the words to the actions, you see the world in a totally different way. That is how you get around selective memory. 
when you deal with people and you ask yourself, they're promising me things. They're doing things for me. They're, they're telling me things, but what are their actions saying? What have their actions in the past said? He's up there saying that he's going to solve this and this and this. Has he? Can he? You know, by the way, who's been screaming this, but no one's paying attention to? John Kasich. John Kasich has been screaming from the beginning, nobody knows how to do anything except for me. And by the way, he's not wrong. The guy's been in government his whole life. He's a governor of Ohio, which is a basically a microcosm of the United States of America. He has been in politics for years. He was the one who helped balance the, the, the debt. He was working with Ray. He, he's a guy who says, hey, if you're going to make promises, if you don't know how government works, you don't know if you can deliver. All due respect to Donald Trump, if you've never worked in a government, how do you know you can deliver on these promises? You don't know. You're just saying stuff. And if someone would look at him and go, okay, okay, I love what he's saying, but I just need to, how do I know if he's telling the truth? Let me think. Is his actions strong with his words? If I look past the word to the action, can I bank on it? If you would think that, everyone would be like, no way. Sanders, okay, I got it. If I go through his words to his actions, does he have any level of experience that I know he can deliver on this? Well, I don't think so. And that's, by the way, by the way Mark Rubio is not much better. When I go deep into the actions, do I see anything there? But if you look around through life, and by the way, when we are those people, when we ourselves stop becoming people that just say things, when deep down we even know we won't even deliver on them. You ever have this where you promise something or say something, and you know, especially your worst to your wife or your husband or your kids, and you know deep down you're not delivering on it. Even when you say it, you're not delivering on it. Even when you're promising, you get the kids in the back of the car. If your kids be quiet for two minutes, I'm taking you to ice cream. The kids are like, really? Like, yep, I'm ice cream. Kids are like, that's a great deal. We'll be quiet. Okay. And then you like, your, your kids are quiet. They're like, ice cream time. You're like, oh, yeah, that whole thing. No. Well, I didn't even mean it. And the kids are like, well, well, but you promised. And you're like, I didn't say promise. You ever have that conversation with your children? They're like, but, but, but when you become a person whose words are meaningless, you just say things just to get reactions from people. We become part of the problem. But at the very least, our ability to sort of recognize this and tackle it and to look at a presidential election and just watch it just for the next few months with me. Email me. Let me know if this is working for you. Charlie at charlieharari.com. Watch it. Watch people get up and say things and ask yourself, could they do are they even able to back what they're saying? Even if they tried, do they even know how? Then what are they saying it for? When you get up and, 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 and hear people ask, ask yourself, am I choosing to ignore things because I want this guy to win so badly? I want them to be right so badly. I'm going to ignore all that data, all that stuff that's coming out. Ah, I don't pay attention to that. Now, nah, you ever sit in a room with somebody and fight in this political, whatever you're fighting about, and you're just ignoring their points? When, you, when you're done with that fight, ask yourself, did I just ignore their points because I wanted to be right? Or because why did I just hear their side? It would have gotten me closer to the truth. And if they're right, maybe I'm not totally right. And when we start to become people that are much more concerned about integrity, about truth, about what's right versus being right. We become different human beings. 
You see, because the path to greatness is just a path. There's no destination. It's a path. And along the way, we choose. And sometimes the people that are on the top are the most mediocre of all. Honestly, sometimes the people that are holding the biggest positions or fighting for the biggest offices are nothing to look at because along the way they had to sell out themselves to do the things that they never would have done but for that overwhelming desire to be greater than they really are. We don't got to do that. We don't got to be that. Every time we feel that the truth is not worth paying attention to, every time we feel like there's someone that's going to hand us something on a silver platter or something is just too good to be true, it is. We're forgetting that the whole goal is the journey. We're forgetting that the whole purpose is for us to be greater. Not just to hand things and get things. If someone's promising us that they're going to walk in and just deal with our issues in one fell swoop, we got to stop saying, oh, okay, let me just stop. Let me just ignore everything else. And if people are telling us things and we're just believing them because they're just saying them, we're just not being the best that we can be. We got to look deeper. We got to play a little stronger. And we got to then become those people that we each can look ourselves in the mirror and know that whether or not we win or we lose, we're always taking the best path. Our character always wins out. Our ability to ask advice, to see it from a different perspective, to look at the things that we don't want to see. To look at the back of a box of fat-free cookies that we deep down know are not is not good for us. When we have that ability to do that, we become stronger for it. We become better for it. The first time is hard. The second time is hard. The tenth time is a little easier. And we become stronger. We stare it down and we are able to be better from it. When we can interact with people with a certain level of integrity, we may not get to the places that we think we want to get to, but we get to places that are different, but that are so much better. Our relationships are stronger. Our our dealings are, on, are more honest. Our internal compass that's pulling us towards the world of being great is so much more in line. Because greatness is right in front of us. In fact, greatness is right within us. It's not about becoming it. It's about revealing it. And when we clear away all that dirt, all of that chatter, all that stuff that we think is going to take us to places that we know is not going to take us, if we vote for candidates that have the most integrity, we end up having the greatest country. If we vote for candidates that give us the greatest promises, we end up going back and forth with these divisive characters that have almost bankrupted our nation, which is what we're in right now. But if we go with people in our lives that are the same, and if we conduct ourselves that level of integrity, 
and then what's around us becomes a, a, a portrayal, if you will, of who we are. And it makes us better and better and better. This is Charlie Harari. Thank you for listening. Reach out to me. Let me know what you think. You can tweet me at Charlie Harari. You can email me, Charlie, at charlieharari.com. Check us out at The Blaze. Every single weekend we'll have a new podcast up talking about uh, life and the news and current events and, and not from the perspective of figuring it out for itself, but figuring out so that we can live lives that are not good or great, but that may touch awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you next week. It's not just about the facts. It's about perspective. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.